you are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Digital noise with the digital boys. <laughs> sir, it's sir. the digital noise with the digital boys. We're back again. We're going to watch some movies. Sometimes we like them. Sometimes we don't. But hey, we're going to watch them anyway. Coming to you in the morning. Coming in the morning. It's the, the gator and the lunatic. That's a David Cross reference. I'm so sorry. I stole that. Wait, which one am I supposed to be? Um, I would think... Based on our relationship, mm-hmm. that we are probably both the lunatics. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the gator is... Oh, oh gator. The I gator. Thought, what do you think I said? I said baiter. The baiter? Yeah. Oh, well, we're both the lunatic <laughs> both and the, the baiters. And the baiter, right? <laughs> Aren't we all, though? <laughs> Inside of you is two wolves. One is a lunatic and one is a baiter. <laughs> 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 it's very true i saw a take on little red riding hood where it was the wolf <laughs> the little red riding hood look, looking at the wolf and going inside of you is two grandmas <laughs> is that on Pornhub or uh <laughs> anyway joining me is sir dr wright sulak a good day and i am just regular chris no title oh no we, we gotta come up with a title for you well you know i could I've discovered this. Oh. You can buy a square foot of land in Scotland. Yeah. And oh. You, and you will get a certificate for being a lord. You are definitely technically a lord. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can do that. It's Wait, still, how much is this? I think it's like 600 bucks or something. Oh. Yeah. Well, well I mean, to really, be technically a lord? Yes. You could be, you go like, it is lord, right, Sulek? Thank you very much. Well, uh, I mean, I, I was watching the end of Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi today, uh-huh. uh, much to Me everyone's too. dismay. And, uh, <laughs> and it was like, you know, the, there's a character in that that it says like Lord Vader. And I'm like, you know, does Maybe. he own a piece of Scotland? Though? Right. I'm just right. saying. I mean, it's more of Lord, Master. I mean, it's different terms then. Just call him Darth. There's no, I don't think there's any dukes or earls in Star Wars. No, or oh, Dame. No Duke. Is it Dame Princess Leia. No, it's not Dame. It's okay. just it's just Princess Leia. Yeah, yeah. Dame. That's a too long of a name. Yeah. D- Dame Princess Leia Organa, General Esquire. Like that's a long that's name. Bail Organa. Bail Organa. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. I don't know. No dames. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dames, though. <sighs> I don't get what. What are you? <laughs> My transition into the first film that we watched for Digital Noise. I'm trying to figure out what your connection is to the Untouchables th- on 4K <laughs> with dames. Were there any dames in this movie? There's very few. Oh, dames. Patricia Clark uh, Clarkson. Clarkson. Very, That's right. Very young and sexy Patricia very Clarkson. Very young, sexy Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, yeah. This. I mean, this was 1987. So I forget how long ago this was. I saw this in the theater because I am, of course, as you know, ancient. 
Yes, we won't. Very old. We won't talk numbers. Old as Christ. <laughs> what a kid. 2022. <laughs> 2000, 2022 years. Yes, yeah. That's how old you are. Let's just say they used to call me St. Germain. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah definitely <laughs> definitely should have never uh shouldn't have killed my brother so anyway shouldn't have <laughs> no, really shouldn't have yeah that, that whole um market cane thing did not work out well <laughs> anyway we are talking about the untouchables which is directed by brian de palma uh and it was written by david mamet who at that point was on a serious hot streak in his career yeah uh, he had done glenn gary glenn ross in 1984 so like, i mean luckily he's never said anything controversial ever <laughs> and his career is sound he used to be a really normal guy he's one of those dudes who ooh, late ooh, in his ooh, career hold went... on one second was he ever that normal because no. i've seen interviews with him and he's an intense person well, no 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 but you know what i mean he wasn't like a crazy right-wing nutball and like sure. only in the past couple of years something clicked in him and he went crazy which happens you know james woods didn't used to be a complete fucking sack just fucking salvador it's yeah. like you're what are you doing like yeah. that, aren't you friends with oliver stone does oliver stone hate you like crazy now james woods i would imagine so james woods does oliver stone hate you now i hope he listens to digital noise yeah, you think great. what are the odds of that yeah that'd be great so, <laughs> oliver stone has a better chance of listening to digital noise than james woods does. Uh, but you know i mean this is like this is not political I mean, it would be if Prohibition was still going on. Yeah. I mean, that's true. But this, what's really special about this, though, is that this is my first time ever seeing The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. And which is like considered by many to be all time classic. Now, it's funny. I loved, loved, loved this movie when it came out in theaters. Yeah. But I've seen it so many goddamn times that sure. I think there was a point I was like, this now just seems kind of stupid. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Yeah. No, I watching again now, I was like, you know what? I, that's too hard. Maybe I was high or something when I watched it. Changed my perspective because <laughs> I'm like, I mean, it is very broad and kind of silly at points. But I guess it's, I don't know if it, I would say silly. It's just it's it's an odd choice for Brian De Palma to do this. I guess this is when the like the studio is like, uh, how about how about you do something like for us? He was he was very hot at that point. He was very hot. He yeah. was a hot man. Uh, not not the way he looked. His career. Oh, I'm Once talking about again. how he looked. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, I yeah. That, that comb over? Ooh. <laughs> I'd like to double his body. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Mission Impossible? No way. This was uh, nominated for four Academy Awards. It uh, was? Well, yeah. Only Sean Connery won one, though, for Best Supporting Actor here. And he it, won for Best Supporting Actor? And it is a super memorable turn. I don't know if I would call it... Best actor worthy, but it's a great, fun performance among the best of Connery's performances. It is. It is one of. I, I will say, I'm not a huge fan of James Bond. When I say that, though, I mean that I I haven't seen any of J, uh, Sean Connery's uh, James Bond. Now, oh, well, uh, <laughs> you should fix that. I, and uh, <laughs> do I? I yeah, don't, I don't know. Yeah, you should. I guess I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm not like you know reviewing films all the time and oh, well, you know, uh, but uh, like, and it's not like I should have some kind of you know like a knowledge of film history. Or well, I mean, he just did just say he has never seen Untouchables before. Now so. that's very true. Yeah, but uh, I this is like one of the first few times that I was like, wow, Sean Connery can like act. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like again. He doesn't have a huge reach here. Like, I mean, this is like say that'd be like saying that about him in The Rock. I mean, it's a very <laughs> caricature performance. Sure, but he films. gets to be like an equal badass and flawed and and human guy that really that, like. There's a lot of cool moments in the movie that I thought were like really clever. The way that they either shot it or the way that it was written. Okay. And uh, and I like you know I love Kevin Costner. In it. I love the Andy Garcia and. Uh, 
uh, well, proto uh, Paul Giamatti. Let's just say that, like, this is in case you don't know, and you probably do, but this is 1930s during Prohibition when the government made the huge mistake that is still resonating today. Uh, be- I mean, literally, organized crime exists because the government made the decision yeah. to ban alcohol in America. There was right. no organized crime before that, right? Right? Not on any huge level. And so the mob is huge. Al Capone is king of the mob, played by Robert De Niro here, Ooh. just striking effect. Who's yeah. just fantastic. It's one of his most memorable roles, and he's had many. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that he did. He get nominated for best supporting? Uh, I don't know offhand. It's one of those few roles you're just like a total like. It's like William Hurt. He was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for History of Violence. I'm like, really? No, it was uh, Art Direction, Costume Design, and Best Original Score. And Which it, it totally deserved Best Original Score, because that Ennio Morricone score here Ooh. is tremendously memorable and great, among his best. It's it's great. Again, I don't know if it works all the time for the film, mm-hmm. uh, but it worked. when it works, like the opening credits, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is really good music. And yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. It's it's like the movie, very bombastic. I mean, this is basically, like, you might think from the description, oh, okay, so it's Elliot Ness, who was kind of a straight-edge guy. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, play it by the book, very neat and tidy person taking on, you know, people who are drinking alcohol. Like, it sounds like this could be a dry type of drama with a couple action moments. No, this is pretty much a straight-up, like big action movie in a lot of ways yeah it moves very fast for as long as it is and uh, costner of course is ness um sean connery is like he realizes okay i need a team because the police department is super corrupt so i yeah. need a team of people that i can trust and he just kind of runs into this irish old cop played by connery and he's like i like this guy i, I feel like he, he's outside the system because he's just a beat cop and, he and i have to say in. that his irish accent is on point <laughs> He doesn't even try, dude. It's Why? like in Highlander where Why? he's playing a Spaniard and he's still just doing the Scottish accent. Why do they not just say that he was Scottish? I don't that was know. so. I was like, well, that wouldn't make any sense because he's in Chicago and there's no Scottish uh, police officers. I'm like, are you. Who the fuck cares? You got Sean Connery, so whatever. Well, maybe know? it was the 80s and people were so stupid, like, well, Scottish and Irish are like the same thing, right? Aren't they? And you say that, and I hope all of our <laughs> Irish and Scottish uh, listeners. No, no, uh, no, no. We know. Here and kill us. We know they're different. They're different because uh, the Scottish make better whiskey. Oh, I said it. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. okay. Now you and I are gonna fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so they also get Andy Garcia, who plays this sort of young trainee who's just about to join the force. Yeah, and they're like, and they get him basically because he doesn't take any shit from Sean Connery. I love it. It's like gets in his face about being Italian. He's yeah. like, "Fuck you, you Irish cocksucker." <laughs> yeah, they, everyone is very racist in oh, this yeah. movie, but in a way like. It's almost done for like a sort of weird, like, oh, you're racist. I'll be racist back. I can respect that. <laughs> yeah. Or just like the, the respect that they have for each other yeah. is like, they, 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 they don't take shit. That's mm-hmm. what Sean Connery is looking for, for Elliot Ness is like, okay, we need to find people that are, that believe in what we're doing because the rest of the, the police force are going to either fucking kill us or, you know, uh, turn on us in any moment and we need to find people like no this is the right thing to do and the other one they get is charles martin smith who you'll recognize the character actor you recognize you just may not know, you probably don't i didn't know him by name but yeah he's like he's the guy who's like comes in going we can get him right now for tax evasion and they're like mm-hmm. <laughs> i love that even now it's like 
Yeah, but that's not sexy. Enough. It's not sexy. And I feel so bad for CPAs. It's just like, that is the sexiest thing I know of. But tax the- evasion? But he's fun in it because they, you know, they're like, okay, great. That's, that's cool. You're an accountant. Here, here's a gun. Come with us. And you know what's so funny? I remember when he was starting to talk about like, we can get him for tax evasion. And I did the Leonardo DiCaprio thing in once upon a time in Hollywood. I was like, oh, that, that he's right. That's what happens to him. Uh, and then you get like the, the bad guy the, that you see more on screen than Al Capone because he's almost a figurehead bad guy that they're uh, Billy heading Drago. Towards. Billy Drago, like Drago. The, the dear departed Billy Drago, who's been like a That's bad true. guy in so many fucking movies. Like uh, he, his face was built for evil. Yeah, in Pale Rider, if you've ever seen that, the Clint Eastwood classic we- modern day uh, modern day shit. I'm old uh, western. Uh, you don't have to tell us, Chris. Yeah, well, we know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I had to go ride into town and get the. White some rolls of gingham. I don't even know what gingham is, but she goes through two or three rolls. Gingham style? <laughs> uh, Someone and... should do that. Should have done that as a parody, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, anyway, there's a lot of like, uh, this is just super bombastic. It's it's ri- kind of ridiculous, but you roll with it. You're like, this is so fun. And there's a lot of stuff that's direct tributes to other classic Hollywood films, yeah. especially and most famously one of the final scenes in the movie, which is a big shootout uh, at the top of a set of stairs at, at the train station. Mm-hmm. And there's this baby carriage. that's like going down the steps and he's trying to stop, grab the baby carriage while shooting at like eight other guys. And it's all done in slow motion. And it's an incredibly well shot and exciting sequence. Yeah. But it's completely like a straight up ripoff of the, the basically the same sequence in a Russian movie called Battle Potemkin. Oh, that's from Battle Potemkin. Battle Battleship Potemkin. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I because I thought I thought Untouchables. This was the, the scene that everyone makes fun of or like parodies. And but I, I but deep down I thought I was like I think I, they stole this from something else. Better though. remembered now for the untu- from the Untouchables. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, how many people do you know that have even seen Battleship Potemkin? You know, it's funny. Um, I remember. Like, I have not. <laughs> I, I have not either. No. But I, I, my buddy uh, Matt Ryan. Um, he, uh, told me when he was in film school, uh, you know, the, the teacher was asking everyone, what are your favorite films? And, or what's your favorite movie? And everyone's like, I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> but this one like super pretentious kid was like, Battleship Potemkin. You're like, I'm like, fuck you. Nobody's favorite movie is Battleship Potemkin. I'm sorry. I remember some, I I made a lot of fun of some kid that, uh, during my onboarding and training is like, what's your favorite movie? Just as an icebreaker. And he said, Holy Mountain. I was like, it's not your favorite movie. You haven't watched enough and it's stupid. I love Holy Mountain myself. Good for you. Definitely not my favorite movie, but even Sir Guy Eisenstein would have been like, man, I can't just sit through Battleship Potemkin again. (laughs) I made the movie. <laughs> Isn't it like eight hours? Some no, crazy no, it's crap? only seventy-five minutes. It's only seventy-five minutes. Yeah, I oh. just never. I never had a. I mean, I took a lot of history of film classes throughout my life. Sometimes, literally, just because it would be fun and informative. Yeah, and no one ever tried to show us Battleship Potemkin. He's like, it's you. You've seen it in multiple. Like, watch the Untouchables. I've You'll seen, get it. I've seen the clip. That the Untouchables is doing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the most famous scene in Battleship Potemkin. But anyway. Hell, it's on the Blu-ray itself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is a solid, fun movie. Um, Everybody's pretty good in it. Uh, there's really very- I love me some Kevy, Kevin Costner. Kevy See, Costner? Kevy, can you call him that now? Now that you like him? I'm going to call him Kevy. Good friends with him? Kevy and I, we've known each other for a long time, ever since Prince of Thieves. We, uh, <laughs> Where we, he also did not choose the right accent. No, that's uh, oh, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm surprised that uh, Sean Connery was in that. He wasn't a, a chew. Right? Uh, 
<laughs> uh, Robin Hood Men Tights, anybody? You know, there's something else where he plays an Arab, too, and I can't remember what it is, and he also just didn't. Eat. Kevin Costner? No, no, no. Sean Connery. I he plays an Arab? Yeah, I can't remember what it is. There's something he was an Arab, and like, nope, nothing, no change, whatever. Was it Entrapment? I don't remember. <laughs> How well does anyone remember Entrapment? Anyway, I oddly remember it very well. I do not. Uh, this is a brand new 4K release. It actually looks and sounds terrific. Yes. This is the best version you're going to get of this film, probably until they invent the Superman crystal thing. <laughs> Sorry. Now that movie's so old, people are like, what is the Superman crystal Superman? thing? Superman? Uh, With Henry Cavill? Superman. But this has got all the supplements from the previous Blu-ray release of this, which is, you know, there's nothing new here, but it doesn't include a Blu-ray copy. They're just added to the 4K copy on here. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, comes a digital copy. And the featurettes, they're all right. They're, like, all, like, between, like, 10 and 20 minutes. Interesting enough. Very standard Hollywood uh, EPKs. But nonetheless, if you've never seen this, this is the way to see it. It's great. I thought it was really fun. And uh, you know what? I cannot wait not to watch this again. Because uh, I'm like, I got it. And, uh, you know, it's 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 not one of those films I can put on every single time. Or, like, just, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. Like, you know what? I'm going to put on Touchables. Like, no, nah, I'm going to do, like, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> uh, or, you know, uh, Shawshank Redemption. It's like, I want to have a good cry. And this is just like... It's not going to make you cry. No. I mean, even with some, like, touching character death moments. Yeah. It's also cartoony that it's kind of hard to, like, feel real emotion Real connected it. to everything. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very cartoony. Yeah, it is. Have you ever... Did you ever go and see the 1996 Arnold Schwarzenegger action film Eraser? Chris, I'm glad you asked that. Because <laughs> I was only... Wait, 1996? That means I must have been... 12 you are, and you were 182 you are aware there's this thing though called dvd and you are aware of these things called dvds they put older movies chris i'm very very young so <laughs> dvds all i know are my youtubes and my tiktoks <laughs> literally a guy on a dvd and blu-ray review show <laughs> <laughs> spoiler this doctor don't know shit anyway eraser was like well past the heyday of schwarzenegger's top work uh, was it 1996? 1996. Yeesh. Uh, and it had him, Vanessa Williams, James Kahn, James Coburn, Robert Pastorelli. He played a U.S. marshal uh, from a witness protection program who's trying to protect someone who's going to testify about illegal arms dealings. Okay, whatever. That sounds pretty standard fare. The trick that made that movie interesting was the the weapons in question. They were trying to deal with these super sci-fi badass things that could like see and penetrate through like six foot walls and shit so yeah like this target scope you could like look through anything and like super zoom and lock on and which they probably have now but like it was it's like oh shit it's the ultimate gun and right. it was pretty cool and they did some neat you know schwarzenegger he was still huge they spent a lot of money on it and they made a not one of his best but certainly not anywhere near one of his worst action films yeah still has one line i remember from it every time where the girl goes, you're late. And he goes, traffic. And of course, right before that was this huge action scene where he was blowing up cars and shit. I love him. So <laughs> He's so fun. But all these years later, the studio. My, many, 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 many years later. Yeah, 2022, to be exact. The studio, Warner Brothers, is like looking through their IPs. They're flipping through all the intellectual properties. And like, what do we got that we haven't done? All through their lately? TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> They're flipping through their TikToks like, hey, what's this? I slid into the eraser DM. And... <laughs> Is that how that works? I don't know. I said, yo, that shit is tight and worked the other day. And everyone, like, it was like a record scratch, right? Everyone and even that and phrase is very old fashioned, too. Oh, I know. Anyway, so they're like, what about a racer? We could do something with a racer. It's like, well, 
Schwarzenegger's not going to come back and do a sequel. And, and everyone's like, we can? <laughs> We're like, let's just reboot it. It's a solid idea. But what if we reboot the basic story, but take out pretty much all the budget, all the stars, and all the science fiction-y cool guns aspect of it? Then you've got, well, pretty much every direct-to-DVD action movie that you see. There is no point why Eraser Reborn should be called Eraser. I mean, the star of this, I don't know him from anything, but apparently he was in the teen vampire movie, Vampire Academy. Uh, he's on a Oof. fantasy series called Shadow Hunters, and then he was on the series of Penny Dreadful I didn't watch when they rebooted it, City yeah. of Angels. Yeah. I heard it wasn't very good. Uh, but anyway, so this guy, Dominic Sherwood, playing the lead character here, uh, He's a even though he's a British actor, he plays a U.S. Marshal. Who's his old goal? He's the guy who takes the people who need to be disappeared and hidden for Witsec. Congratulations, you've and, been erased. Yeah, he fakes their deaths so he can hide them somewhere. But of course, the person he's currently protecting, who's this super hot Asian chick, who <laughs> of course they don't get along at all at first. You know they're going to have sex. And, Do they? I mean, it, at the end, there there is like a. a oh, yeah, they kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, spoiler. 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 Yeah, spoilers. They both live. Because I know uh, everyone on here is like, oh, damn it. I was going to watch Eraser no, Reborn. No, we just saved you from watching Eraser Reborn because, wow. But anyway, I, I don't know if we saved anyone. <laughs> of course, like, he gets, he's like, yeah, I've done this a bunch. I'm old pro at this. And then finds out, like, uh oh, there's corruption through the agency, including even some people I worked with and trusted before. And it's just a very standard action film there's some action scenes in here that aren't terrible there's a whole no scene. that's true there's a scene in a construction yard that is actually like with the blast big action scene is actually not too bad at all it has a I few mean, wonky the, cg moments the exclamation point at the end of the action yeah, scene the though. Very, yeah there's a scene with like with that sort of person thrown very 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 far by a thing that's that comes up can them. we talk about what it is no because you'll know the moment you see what the thing is like someone is gonna die from that right but i don't want yeah. to say what it is but, uh, uh, all right, fine. Say what it is. If you thought there was going to be a rhino in this movie, you're correct. A Republican in name only? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, uh, yeah, and there's a scene where the person gets impaled by the rhino, and it is the jankiest looking CG I've seen in it's, a long time. It's bad. I... I- I mean, at that point, you just have to believe that the direct, that like everyone behind in editing it, like, look, we tried. <laughs> yeah, did you though? Did you? <laughs> or they just looked at you, just like, congratulations, you've been erased. Oh, yeah, but I forgot. There's also like a whole hippo d- sequence as well. Why are there like big animals? Why are there deaths? big animals? <laughs> it's like, let's trade the sci fi for big animals that we've heard are dangerous, yeah, like it, like hippos and rhinos. They're like, oh, it takes place in Africa. You got to get some like cool African uh, creature deaths. It's like, it, does? it takes place in South Africa oh, <laughs> with like yeah. cities and shit. You're like, no, there's no hippos and rhinos wandering around. Well, I love that the hippo is also like, the main guy is like sort of pet uh i am just like this is you know look i i have not seen eraser uh it, it should is, be on the show because then i can put eraser and untouchables on the same uh uh shelf it is decidedly better than this uh, i am assuming so yeah, uh it would have to be right it would have to be <laughs> uh but like it, it's it's passable for uh, this like the super generic uh action movie because there's some like good action-ish moments in the movie but uh i mean god bless the the main actor because i really feel like he was trying his ass off <laughs> and because like, like oh i'm taking over for arnold schwarzenegger and like everyone's like yeah sure and uh <laughs> like everyone remembers it because you're old as you were probably born in 1996 <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Or probably even like younger than that. I don't, I don't think I don't know. he he had the, he had the stubble that looked like a good late twenty year old, early thirty year old. Yeah, the CSC nineteen ninety, so he is thirty two years old. Jesus Christ, he was six when Eraser came out. Anyway, this is not good, and you should probably <laughs> skip it. Uh, there's like a nine minute like EPK making Eraser reborn, which I actually watched just a few minutes of just to see if anybody was like Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's just a nine minute apology video. Just like sorry, sorry, Have sorry. Have you ever listened to the commentary track for? Uh, Batman and Robin. I have heard a little bit of it. Yeah, yes, it's it's the director apologizing for that movie. Joel Schumacher's apologizing, <laughs> yeah, just going like, "Oh, what was I thinking?" That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I have I've listened to like some clips every now and then. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, <laughs> like, oh shit. Well, we're gonna mo- move on to another movie that is decidedly not a good movie, but it's way more fun to watch than that was, which is 1998's Phantom of the Opera. Now, wait, hold on, not the movie version of the musical. By Andrew Lloyd mm-hmm. Webber. By the way, I hate that so much. I'm not a fan of that musical at all. I think it's, really? I don't like any Andrew Lloyd Webber except for Jesus Christ Superstar, which I realize is ironic, mm. being not a religious person, but it is a pre- mm. pretty good musical. It's not as good as Godspell, which is also ironic that mm. I like that. But anyway, fan of the opera, this was actually on my bucket list for a while because, I, you know, when Dario Argento is great, he's the greatest. He's one of the greatest horror directors and producers. But when he's not great, wow, is he not great. And it, towards the end of his career, I mean, his career is still going on. Apparently, he's got a new movie coming soon. Uh-oh. He does? Yeah, but it looks like they're spending a lot of money on it and getting, like, real actors and shit. So maybe Uh-oh. it'll be good. Part of the problem was he was just basically not having – he didn't have access to a lot of money anymore at a certain point. So well, he, he, making- he feels like, well, Francis Coppola is doing this. And he's <laughs> like, I should do the same thing. I don't know why. So. That's not my Italian accent, but uh, yeah. I, I tried. But, I mean, this is 1998. Argento did the – you know the i would call undisputable classic suspiria i think is a masterpiece uh and deep red and doing his own very different take on phantom of the opera for one thing you can tell right off the bat in the first to fuck his daughter and no in the first scene here where you're like okay so asia argento his own daughter shows up like on the stage of the opera all by herself, just singing an aria practicing or something and she's wearing this shirt with no bra underneath it's white and sheer you can just you know, you see your boobs like you know, Patrick Stewart on that. I forget what the TV show is with Rich, Ricky Gervais. And he's oh, like, Star Trek uh, uh, Next Generation. <laughs> she goes, it's too late because I've seen everything. And I saw everything. And I saw everything. And I saw everything. Uh, and you're like, oh, boy. And then you look at the Phantom who's watching her. And it's Julian Sands, a very sexy actor in his time, who has no disfigurement of any kind. He's just sexy Julian Sands. You're like, uh oh, Dario Argento. What are you getting us into here? Hi, 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 I, I don't know what yeah. he's doing with this. So it, he's like a baby that was somebody had abandoned in the sewers. It's the fucking Batman Returns. Yeah, and he, he was, saw Batman Returns. And he's like, that. He, he was rescued by rats and, instead of penguins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, instead of uh, penguins, how about uh, I don't know what's a, a rat? So now he like it's, communicates with rats and literally has kind of sex with them. Oh, he fucks a rat in this movie. <laughs> I'm not. You warned not me before kidding. this. Like, fuck you. That's stupid. And then I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, so, oh, that's not the end of the differences here, though, either. Uh, he has telepathic and telekinetic powers, so he can speak telepathically to uh, Asia Argenta's character. Plus, oh, he, like, yeah. actually, like, there's a scene where he makes this guy injure himself, who's, like, the rat, who's this weird supplemental character who's, like, a rat catcher guy. Yeah. I, I'm not, no idea what the fuck that was about. There's a whole thing where he and his assistant build this, like, 
<laughs> like something out of the Goonies, like a, a, a rat catching machine with whirling blades That's and they're driving right. it down the tunnels super fast. They're geniuses, evidently, <laughs> in wherever the hell this movie takes place in. And uh, yeah, they have that. And yeah, he does, um, he fucks with that guy, but that guy ends up becoming like a, a pseudo, like not main villain is kind of the I wrong word villain i mean the movie tries to do what phantom the opera does and be like the no he's sympathetic the the, the phantom's like dude just fuck the rat <laughs> i i was not sympathetic to anyone in this movie no this movie is bonkers bad plus like asia argento's character i, I keep calling her asia argento it was um she has uh, a name christine <laughs> she is like i've never seen anybody fluctuate so Far back and forth between I love you, no, I hate you, get away from me for no oh, apparent reason. That's whatsoever. right, because the, the good guy comes in and yeah. she's like, "But I want to fuck you," and it's like, "But I want to fuck you," and it's just, and she's also totally nude in one oh, in one scene. There's like a couple scenes, yeah, and a couple scenes like, oh, what, what is happening in Italy? Uh, <laughs> the director wanted to fuck his own daughter. Yeah, it was weird, and it's nude, and I yeah, like maybe like. If you don't, because also, who in the hell is watching this <laughs> other than people that know Dario Agento? So when you watch this instantaneously, you say, oh, now I'm uncomfortable. Oh, uh, do you know another connection that we have between the movies today? Oh, what? This was scored by Ennio Morricone, too. It was. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? It is not as memorable as Untouchables. <laughs> Let's just say I, that. I thought this was the second best next to Good and Bad and the Ugly. But I'll tell you, there's some really cool gore in this. Like, there, It's oddly gory. It gets super gory. Yeah, like the first scene when those two guys are going down the well. Yeah. And it's like, how the fuck did he cut him in half? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? And I, I was like, oh, it's Dario Argento. Okay. But I just like, yeah, it gets ridiculously gory, but it's really well done gore. And it's just that it's so fun. Fucking relentlessly odd that kept my attention. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I was like, this is a terrible movie, but in the way that I like. Yeah, yeah. There were, I think, I think I was a little bit more bored with some scenes. Like, it didn't hold my attention as much as I wanted it to because sometimes when they were trying to do something called, um, what's it called? Uh, character development. And, uh, (laughs) when they're doing that, I was like, I don't care about this part. I think I was just grateful it wasn't just another straight retelling of Phantom of the Opera. I'm sure. like, oh, thank God, it's doing something at least different. I'm like, it is. It is very different. Yeah. I, I will give it that. But like, I for how like right out of the gates, bonkers, weird, and gory it is. I'm like, I want that on a consistent basis. Yeah. Why are you trying to earn this with Julian Sands and try to give him sympathy and the and try to invoke some kind of empathy from the audience when you're like, how, why do what, what's wrong? Yeah, like it's, it's like, like he's. So he's he's fine. It's like <laughs> like, half of it is a softcore Skinamax sex movie, and yes. the other half is a very very gory horror film. And yeah, you're like this is a weird crossover between things that doesn't work, partially because of like I said, all the other oddballs. I mean, he fucks a rat. I don't. I can't get past that. Like this is like Chris, lying Chris, down Chris. on he a bed. He doesn't fuck a rat. He face fucks the rat. <laughs> he face fucks he the gets rat. the rat. <laughs> he does what you think he does. Yeah, and it is oddly uncomfortable. Yeah. And Sexy. Okay, we're going to move on from there. <laughs> uh, there is an audio commentary here with two film historians, Troy Howarth and Nathaniel Thompson. And there's a couple just like little making of pieces here that I watched one of them. It was, it's just Argento to why I wanted to make this film, that type of thing. You know, I wanted to see my daughter uh, naked. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> it's it's five seconds long of a featurette. Well, speaking of a film that 
feels like you're about to see someone naked, but never actually do because it's basically feels like one of those one of those horror films from the 70s, which it is 1978, that is definitely going to have boobs in it because it's on a college campus. Yeah. But it was made for television. So it was the initiation of Sarah. And even with that title, you're like, oh, dude, there's going to be sex in this thing. Well, we we actually have had this on a uh, queue for Trash in the Can for a long time. Oh, OK. Because uh, we're like, oh, well, because we're huge fans of Shelley Winters. Oh, she's great. And I, she's one of the few actresses that I'm like, your best parts of your career when you were already like past 50 oh totally yeah <laughs> yeah we, we've seen a couple of movies with her in it and for the show and this was on there like oh fuck and like she when she commits and rages out there's no one more fun to watch than shelly winters going like rage cage well let's be fair here this movie is a shameless knockoff of carrie just re- trying to make it a little sexier by taking like upping it to like college and you get then big sex symbol Morgan Fairchild is queen yeah. of the bad girls. And, yeah. You know, uh, it's like two girls who are our sisters. The other one um, is adopted. Yes, is adopted. Yeah. One is very outgoing and super hot. The other is more sort of mousy. She's Sarah uh, and like introverted, but they're very close. And, uh, it's set up right at the beginning that like Sarah's, oh, she's got some sort of psychic power because she's like stops this guy from like raping her sister, which is very like out of nowhere. Like, no, oh, beach. yeah, at the very beginning. Hey, you want to have sex? No, too bad. And yeah. like, wait, you're on a public beach. What are you doing? Anyway, but back it's th- the 70s. Back then, people just raped people. It was just like, oh, why were you late? Oh, I got raped. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, it is obviously. I'm like, but you watch horror movies in the 70s, you'd think it was, it was like, Arnold's traffic. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so they're going to college together and they're excited about it. But like, you know, the, the, the hot sister is like, I'm going to get into the hot sorority. And the young sister's like, I don't even Well, wanna- but I will say that what I think that the movie did well and the relationship, relationship between the two sisters is that the, the outgoing sister, I forget her name. Let's say not Sarah. So not Sarah. Uh, Patty. Patty. Uh, Patty says like, well, I don't want to be in this without Sarah, my sister. And then they finally like Sarah's like, no, you do this because fuck them. And mm. they, she also goes to the the weird nerdy uh, sorority because uh, they're they're doing that. Uh, uh, what? I I didn't go to college, so it's like it's Revenge of the Nerds. Well, it's a thing yeah. where they like they tour all the sororities and like they go to the the weird funky one. And Sarah's like, "This is my shit." And then Patty's like, "Uh, no, thank yeah. you." And even the the girls of the 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 bad girls, the hot girls of the hot sorority are like, "Yeah, um, we're gonna I just because I don't like the looks of you, we're gonna torture you all semester, even though your sister is one of our sisters now." And the you know the nerdy girls like in the nerdy thing and uh, a fraternity, which is like I said, feels more like Revenge of the Nerds. It's kind of a, a or a sorority, kind of. Uh, it's like they a have, hangout they have place. A house mother, uh, Shelly Winters, uh, who's like great, and she's like, oh, she seems like a very nice person at first, and then you're like, well, there's something weird about this girl. Oh, I don't know. She seems like, it, I'm sorry, if you know Shelly Winters, you just, you know you instantaneously know something's wrong. something is up, because she's like, hello. You're like, fuck that, what is going on here? <laughs> like, she could just say hello there, and you're like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know about that. It's clear that some level she was connected to some shit that happened, like, decades before that in the sorority, oh, and yeah. you're like, okay, so she's gonna be bad, I guess, on some level, and then Morgan Fairchild is obviously bad, and it ends up with, of course, Sarah starting to like go, oh, fuck this, I'm gonna use my psychic powers and rip some bitches up. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, this is made for TV, so it's not very gory. No. It's not very sexy. No. It's mildly amusing. Uh, Shelley Winters is the high point of this, I would oh, say. Oh, 100%. Although Morgan Fairchild is 
just chewing up all the scenery as the bad girl. She is great. She is like I. I really wonder if like Rachel, uh, uh, what's her fa- Rachel McAdams watched this movie for preparation for Mean Girls because like there are some things that she does like wow that is straight out of the initiation of Sarah because like <laughs> Morgan Fairchild is so fun to watch and even when she takes advantage of a situation where she's going to be like you know what I'm going to be nice. And do something for uh, Sarah and try to be cool. And like they pull the like prank is not even the word, but they say a prank. It is fucking rough. And you feel bad for Sarah. And like you don't really like mind that she ends up turning like, I'm going to fucking kill everybody. (laughs) And um, no, you definitely are like, yes, you should definitely kill everyone here. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I want to say before we go on. Yeah. Because I said this to you uh, off mic a couple weeks ago and I watched this. There is a missed opportunity in film history here. Oh, okay. Because Shelley Winters is so good in this movie and the things that she says to Sarah, like, it's like, you have to use the darkness. <laughs> the fact that she is not cast as Emperor Palpatine <laughs> is a crime. Well, they could have, maybe they could introduce Emperor Palpatine's wife. Oh, wait, she's dead now, probably, huh? Oh, probably so. Yeah, but oh. it is she, there are things that she says in this movie. It's like, that's exactly what the Emperor said <laughs> to fucking Darth or Luke. And like towards in Return of the Jedi, I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. And it works so well. And how much that Shelly Winters is committing to it. It's like, yeah. I mean, it is so hammy and campy and totally. all these things. But the thing is, the commitment that she gives at every single line is like, I believe everything you're saying and i would be so afraid to be on set with shelly winters because like i don't know if she's serious <laughs> if she believes in this or not well this is being released by arrow because you know i don't know arrow puts out some of the best movies and they put out some of the why would you even spend so much money fixing this movie up movies this would fall into the latter category yeah uh, i mean it's nowhere near as bad as some of the stuff like that but there's audio commentary by amanda race there's welcome to hell week which is subtitled a pledges guide to the in- initiation of sarah um which is I don't know, just them looking back on the film. Cracks in the Sisterhood, which is a visual essay, examined the film in the context of second wave feminism. Mm. Uh, the in, intimate, intimations of Sarah. Uh, interview with Samantha McLaren, uh, who talks about witchcraft and female empowerment, because yes, witchcraft gets involved in this as well. Oh, so good. In the initiation of Tom, interview with Tom Holland, whose first writing credit this was. And if I'm not mistaken, he actually went on to oh, do... Oh, he's... Tom Holland's a... Uh... Writer and director of a uh, fucking oh god. Uh, well, he did a lot of horror stuff. He did Psycho Two, which yeah. is actually really good. But the, well, he did oh, he shit. did Child's Play. Child's Play. Yeah, That's he's the guy him. Who, Tom he's the Holland guy who basically runs the Child's Play franchise. Yeah, yeah. So he was the then he on Twitter. The, he it was like, first, stop thinking I play Spider Man, please. <laughs> he did the first uh, Fright Night too, which is also that's kind right. Of a classic. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh so, fuck. This That's was awesome. A, you know, not awful first. I mean, outing, but it's made for TV movie. What are you going to do? He had almost no budget to work with. And you're like, all right, there you go. Hey, he he had all the budget you need. It was called Shelly Winters. <laughs> but this is a kind of a cult movie. People like, I've like, they've remade this even. What? Yeah. In like 2002 or something. They did a remake of it. Really? Yeah. I Wait, swear. Really? Where? Uh, Hold on. I can tell you. It was right here. I saw it a second ago, and now I came. Oh, it's 2006 for ABC Family. <gasps> and Fairchild returned to play the mother of Sarah and her sister. Oh. Yeah. I want to watch that for... Uh, how about that? I'll watch that one for Trash in the Can. Uh, apparently, Fairchild originally... 
felt like talked shit about this movie and regretted portraying the bad girl here, which is funny because she was on like Dallas and shit. You know, you're like what? Or Dynasty, also, she's great. She's she has yeah. a blast in this movie. But uh, apparently, changed her mind after the producer said it was easy to find an ingenue, but finding someone who can convincingly play a total bitch is hard. And she's like, oh, well, that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's initiation of Sarah. We're gonna move on to another Arrow release. Speaking that, of Psycho too. I'm like, yeah. I'm mixed feelings about this because on one level, I really enjoyed Edge of Sanity, which is the 1989 uh, retake on D- uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, starring Anthony Perkins as obviously both, uh, without the aid of like lots and lots of makeup and physical effects. Most of the transition is just uh, like- I'm sorry, that eye shadow that he has, yeah, that red eye shadow? a little bit of red eye shadow and then like made his hair like look gothy. Uh, but that's about it. The yeah. rest of it is just performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's a- it's a sexy Jekyll and Hyde. If you ever wanted to see Anthony Perkins, psycho Anthony Perkins, mm-hmm. fondle some bebés. Oh, there's a lot quite of... Quite a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of bebé fondling in here. A lot of bebés. Uh, and it's so weird <laughs> and uncomfortable because he is... It's 1989. Psycho was what made in 1982 or 1992 nah. or, or, or wait, I'm, I'm mixing up my numbers now. 1929. And, uh, <laughs> oh God. and so, uh, so it's just, it's just weird because he is like an older man and he's doing this like, why? Like, I think that the, um, the, the, the caliber of an actor that he is to be in this like schlocky movie and to be like, and for the actress, like, oh my god, I get to be in a scene, uh, and my my boobs with uh, psychos Anthony Perkins, and like, ah, uh, who wasn't even enjoying it because he was gay. <laughs> oh, he was. Yeah. So it's like, oh, oh I didn't know that. So yeah, it, this is a a weird mix of stuff. It's like I said, it's trying to be sexy with him. Uh, it has a whole thing where like. The stuff that accidentally turned makes his Mr. Hyde personality come out, comes out. When he's Mr. Hyde, he kind of takes it around on him and starts like using it on other people and making their evil sides come out. So he has like the, oh, yeah. this like prostitute and, a, and like female and male prostitute that he kind of has them all hopped up on it too. And they're like well, doing shit. It's basically, it just feels like it's like, oh, he's just getting people on coke. Yeah. But oh, here's the real thing. This is, and this is actually, I was at first like, really? They, Tie it into where, oh, this is where the Jack the Ripper murders came right. from. Right. And I was like, oh, oh, but guess what? That, that book was, this book was written the year before the Jack the Ripper murders. And at the time, they, the police were dealing with so many, like, you know, people like going, oh, this is, I, I think I have some information. And they were like, this is just from the Robert Louis Stevenson book. They really? So many people who were just confused that, Jekyll and Hyde wasn't a real story. So is this like a faithful adaptation in a way? No, to- no, no, no. Well, I mean, like, I, cause well, like I, I don't it, know Jekyll predates, and Hyde very it well. It predates Jack the Ripper by a year. Not, right, not right. Post-dates. But uh, no, I'm just saying it was like, oh, I, I didn't, I don't know Jack, uh, or Jekyll and Hyde very well. And even then, it's, it's very, very loosely attached to that particular story. But, you know, I mean, whatever. It, in the end, I think it, it's like, it makes it more interesting for like, hey, this is a very different take on Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, yeah. I think the sex stuff is overplayed like crazy here. It is. It. I mean, I'm not going to complain, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a little much. Where it's just like, really, is this what we're doing here? <laughs> this is the type of movie that we want to do because because again, I, I I'm sorry, but like 
Anthony Perkins is great. Oh, yeah. And he is acting the shit out of this movie. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, but my boobs. And, uh, <laughs> and like, oh, man, like he is trying his damnedest in this. And the production value is shite. Cause like, yeah. I, there's a point, <laughs> I think I talked about this too. It was like, there's a point where he's in like in his lab and he's, uh, you know, figuring out the, the drug or whatever he's trying to do. I, Cause he's a, a, a surgeon. Yeah. And he's in his, uh, he's a doctor. He's a doctor. As Dr. Jekyll. Oh, uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a fellow doctor. I should know that. Well, Sir Doctor. Uh, Sir Doctor. Uh, and soon to be Lord. And, uh, <laughs> and so he is like in his lab in his home. And then, cause it takes place in what, like 1700s or something? <laughs> uh, I forget what it is. And, uh, but what's so funny to me when he, his whole lab is like full of tile. Yeah. And I was like, did tile exist? There's a lot of um, historical and and uh, and uh, anachronistic, yeah, anachronistic yeah. stuff in here. And I, I that seems very purposeful, though. Well, yeah, it was definitely for style. I mean, it yeah. was it looked cool, but I mean, I think I felt like <clears throat> it was trying to tie this to the '80s. I felt like sure, yeah, you know, there's a sort of like this is a uh, God. What's the what's the name of the guy who did a uh, American Psycho and all that. Uh, uh, Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah, it felt like he was trying to tie a bit of Brett Easton Ellis into it. Oh, because I think yeah, the drug okay. thing was definitely a coke thing, and there's yeah. a lot of like S and M shit in here. That's true. You oh know? yeah, like when he goes into the 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 the, the prostitute uh, brothel yeah. place, and then like there's. He just opens up one curtain. And it's like, okay, what movie is this? It's like, there is like, it's like burn after reading. George Clooney is like, do you like the dildo machine? And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, it's also got Ken Russell ishness to it as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, it, it's an interesting melange of shit. It doesn't work, but it makes for an interesting watch. It's not something I'm going to rush back to see again. But no. if someone was like, if this sounds interesting to you, yeah, you should check it out. It, it's yeah. it's well worth seeing. It's we, just it gives it gets two shrugs from. Chris yeah, and Wright. It does. Uh, it's Romero as well. It has an audio commentary by a writer named David Flint, an author and filmmaker, Sean Hogan. There's Wicked Love, the director about his of this film, about his career, uh, interview from 2020, who is basically making fun of himself the whole time. My career was edge of sanity, and that's all I did, so... Uh... <laughs> There's... Staying Sane, which is more with the director, uh, which is more exclusively about Edge of Sanity. Edward's Edge, interview with the producer. Over the Edge, Stephen Thrower on Edge of Sanity. Um, uh, Just more of like somebody from the outside looking in. Jack Jekyll and Other Screen Psychos, an analysis by Dr. Claire Smith, author of Jack the Ripper in Filming Culture. That one I did watch because I'm always interested in that subject in particular yeah yeah uh and it was really good and interesting she got mm. more into like other adaptations of jack like time after time which is my favorite jack the ripper movie oh uh, yeah. yeah i like the league of uh, extraordinary gentlemen okay. uh, that right. when that uh mm. that guy he played a uh, big oaf like he's like a hulk or something like that right <laughs> So Jekyll or Hyde or something like that. Right, also, Jekyll sounds like the worst name, right? Right. Like Hyde seems like the more upstanding one. Yeah, but it's one. spelled with a Y, so. Uh, sure, yeah. but like, you That's know, like, Hyde just sounds like butt. But like, you know, I, I always thought Jekyll was the bad one and Hyde well, was the Well, you only good. think that because you've grown up for years with Jekyll and Hyde associated with horror. So Jekyll, where else have you ever seen that except Heckle and Jekyll? And we can't watch that anymore because it was super racist. <sighs> Fucking time. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to another one, not released by horror, but it is a horror movie called We Need to Do Something, uh, not about Kevin, although we do need to do something about Kevin, apparently. This is the prequel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, I think I, that was in that We Need to Talk About Kevin. We Need to Talk About Kevin, yeah, yeah, yeah. which also we should talk about Ezra Miller, yeah. because what the fuck? Boy, talk about... I've, 
I don't think I've ever seen a young actor's career explode quite as effusively as his career has in the last couple weeks. I mean, it's not. Here's the thing. It's like we should all saw it coming because he he's a weird dude. He's always been a weird dude, but there's plenty of weird dudes who don't go. Like, do you? Are we any of us expecting Timothy Chalamet to start like showing off his dick? To he's people a great in guy, you know, and everyone loves him. <laughs> he does all the indie stuff, the, and he doesn't play creepy. So, did, so does this guy? Yeah, but he plays all the creepy ass yeah, people. That's true. That's true. Although he was in um the perks of uh, being a wallflower. Yeah, he wasn't a creepy guy in there. Yeah, but he was uh, a hero. Yeah, okay. That's well, a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah that's true. But now, like, we're always going to wonder, huh, I wonder if I'll ever get to see The Flash. I wonder if just, I'll ever just, release it from the vaults. Oh, yeah. They're just like, I saw the, in a comment from, like, a, the, I don't know, as a CEO or executive, it was like, uh, maybe we'll just dump it on a streaming or something like that. It was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, if he just didn't just, like, fuck over the DCEU even more so, it was like, guys, just stop. Just, like, take a, like a, a page out of a the, the dark universe from Universal it's like just cut it 86 this shit <laughs> well this movie we need to do something oh yeah that's came wonderful. out in 2021 at Tribeca Film Festival was theatrically released by IFC Films now it is out on Blu-ray it's had very polarizing response from critics who either really liked it or were like bah I think I'm kind of more towards the bad side. Myself. I am more of the meh well, side. Well, this is based on a, a uh, novella by Max Boost the Third, who I actually know online. I don't remember where I met him, but I also know, know Pat Healy online. I'm I, friends I with do him as on, well. Yeah, we're friends I, I, with him on I, Facebook. Lead male actor in this, Pat Healy. He was at Fantastic Fest one year and hung out with all of us and did slap shots. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he's such a cool... I love that actor. He yeah. is so great. Yeah, Brian Salisbury did an interview with him uh, that's on one of us. Oh, what's yeah. that? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't even remember what the movie was we were talking about. I'm saying, about. What, is, what is one of us? I oh, shut up. All right. Anyway, uh, so this starts with a family who's in their bathroom, a very nice bathroom, that apparently there's a crazy storm. And they're like, well, I guess this is what you do with like tornadoes and shit. You go in the bathroom, right? I'm not... Sure, there's any accuracy to that statement. There is. I mean, you're supposed to be in the tub. At like, are what's, you? Yeah. Well, living in Texas all my life, uh, you're. If there is a, like an actual chance of tornado, you go in the bathroom because there's less likely of uh of much debris flying around everywhere. Uh-huh. So like you, and granted, like walls and shit like that, but you have a less chance of like shit so like being thrown at you. Room. Plus, there's probably just the psychological effect of like people tend to feel safe in a bathroom. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. yeah the, but like the, the tub also supposed to be some kind of, uh, you know, protective tomb, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Tomb being the key phrase there. Anyway. So <laughs> the, uh, they're all already clearly don't really get along closely as a family. There's a no. the father, the mother, who you can tell are pr- almost certainly on the verge of a divorce. Yeah. Uh, the teenage sister and then the, you know, the younger, not toddler, but, you know, he's like 12, brother. 13, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And the sister and brother don't get along and yada, yada. They're right off the bat just kvetching at each other constantly while the storm's going on. Um, <laughs> the daughter is, uh, is like, keeps checking her phone because someone she keeps, there's someone in her life we find out later is like a girl she's having a lesbian relationship with. And yeah. Sort of like getting her to be a cutter is uh texting her but then quickly into the phone she the film she loses their phone everybody else's phones die yada yada they're like oh, all right so what is this really about well the end of the world folks as it turns out and yeah. i think that was the thing i mean this is you can't get much more low budget than this movie it literally the whole film is in the bathroom right except for a few 
scenes uh, yeah. that it does take place outside flashbacks. for flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. But like, I watching it, I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I, instead of watching this as a movie, I'd much rather watch this as a play. I mean, it definitely has that one act play feel to it. No totally. question. Yeah. If you wanted to watch this as a play, because I find movies that are nothing but characters bitching at each other really annoying when everybody's kind of unlikable. The only time it works is if it's written like gangbusters where it's funny this is not it's just watching really annoying unpleasant people yell at each other and horrible things start to happen to them but it's not really satisfying no Uh, i mean and there's a a bit they pulled do twice with a rattlesnake like you're like will you shut the fucking door (laughs) i there's a lot of things that happen in it where if you try to put logic into it you'll get angry yeah and the the thing that i i i really think that it this movie or, or that had a disservice to it is that, uh, is this, is the screenplay? Yeah. I it's agree. the, the dialogue is really shoddy. Everyone sounds the same. Yeah. Like no one sounds very distinct in their characters. Cause they think that, I guess the only thing you can say to one another is fuck. And, uh, they just are constantly just yelling and cursing at each other, which is like, fine. But the thing is, it becomes so apparent that that's all they do that, like, really almost the only interesting character is the son. <laughs> like, yeah. because he doesn't do any of those things. So he's so distinct. And everyone else is like, why? So I guess that's what happens in 2021 where everyone just like, you fucking cunt. Like everyone's yelling at each other like that. It's like, yeah. are you really? Are their family, if your, your family is like this, get away from them. Yeah. And like, and I, I just, I, I didn't believe a lot of their relationships. I thought, you know what's, and I feel really bad because I, I think, you know, Pat, Hat, Pat Healy is always great, but. It felt like that none of them knew each other. Yeah. And also, especially his character was written so far over the top. Oh, my God. There's no way these people would have still be sticking around at this point. I mean, he is just openly abusive and not physically, but like verbally verbally to everyone in the just grossest most like, I mean, I know that that happens, but it's just like, come on. And you know, the daughter would have fucking run away by now at the very least. You're like, oh, she wouldn't, she's at the point. She's like, fuck this. Yeah. They get, they're trying to set up because, oh, she's a cutter. That's how she deals with it. But I didn't buy it. I think nothing, none of nothing here was naturalistic. And it doesn't help the fact that when it finally introduced the apocalyptic elements, like, oh, maybe it's not just the end of the world or maybe it's not just a storm. It's the end of the world. None of it is on screen. It's all like, oh, you've got to use your imagination for it. Well, it's, it's like, they say, it's like, hey, do you like, uh, this is the end? It's like, yeah. How about the shining? Like, okay, okay. I'm liking this. Like, all right. What if we did both of those movies? Like, okay, but you don't see anything. Why would I want to, why would I want to see that? Well, because it would cost three dollars. Three dollars. <laughs> I saw this movie called The Edge of Sanity, and all we need is tile for a movie, and we put it together, and then you got a bathroom. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna say skip on this one. I'm sorry, Max Booth. I, this was just it's this unfortunate didn't work for me. At no, all. I, I I didn't really care for it. And the the Blu-ray, quite frankly, is like bones. It is a movie, and that's it. Well, next we're going to talk about Grease 2, the 1982 sequel to the original 1978 classic film Grease, which is based on the 1971 musical of the same title by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey. Uh, so Grease was a 
out of control hit when it came out. I mean, it really was. And it made John Travolta like, whoa, did it. Like, Who? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'm not falling for your nonsense anymore. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a ridiculously huge hit. And the soundtrack was everywhere. I remember growing up, the soundtrack that would just play on the radio. Like they played the songs on, on well, radio. Stations. Even when I was growing up in the nineties, which I know for you was like your late sixties, uh, <laughs> for, uh, in the nineties, uh, my bathroom has a, uh, thing to say about this movie. Yeah, I have, what was that? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so. Uh, the nineties though, there, I guess Greece was playing on TNT a whole lot. Yeah, they brought it back in a revival too. Oh my God. Like, and so like the radio was like just blaring Greece all the time. And I watched Greece quite a bit when I was a kid because I had four stepsisters and a sister. And we're like, Hey, let's watch Greece. I was like, Oh no. And then we watched it all the time and I got to know all the songs and I was like, man. I really don't like this movie. And uh, and then I knew there was a Grease 2. I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll never be subjected to this. And oops. I'll tell you, I was never the world's biggest fan of Grease the movie. But I love the soundtrack. I think the songs are great. The soundtrack is great. Yeah. Uh, but all- I mean, it took me forever to get it. I, it wasn't until I was a full-grown adult. I finally was like, fine, I'll watch the fucking movie. Because uh, when I was really young, I didn't, it just didn't seem like something I was that interested in. Uh, well, uh, why, why would you? Like, the yeah. American Civil War was going on and... <laughs> <laughs> and well you just love these old jokes don't you <laughs> at least this show uh, but i finally saw it i'm like okay i mean maybe it was just the hype has been so high for so many centuries now that like i'm just like okay it's fine but i grew up watching grease 2 over and over again because really back then when hbo was around yeah. hbo wasn't like it was like it is now like a streaming service where you're like oh well there's like eight million things to choose from i can watch it anytime. one and that's it no, there'd be like eight movies yeah. And that's it. Every and it just month. plays it over, just play and, over, and, over and, and over and over again. You'd be like, okay, here's Grease 2. Next step is Beastmaster. Next step is Grease 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's certain movies. You w- look in the TV guide, like, Grease 2 is playing 18 times this weekend. Yeah, there's certain movies I saw too many times because there weren't a lot of other options. We had no. we had network TV. Most of cable was kind of sucky. There was no streaming service of any kind. I mean, if once VCRs came out, that was, like, helped. But even then... Uh, Errol's video, which was the precursor to Hollywood, which was the precursor to Blockbuster, yes, uh, was expensive. So really, it would only rent so much, hmm. as it were. So we watched Grease Two a bunch of times. Is the upshot of this, and I remember it very fondly. I was very young, uh, and, but I saw it a bunch of times. It's what I first fell in love with Michelle Pfeiffer, as did our <laughs> cast member Frank Calvillo. Oh who my gosh, will not shut up about not just Michelle Pfeiffer, but how he thinks this movie is better than Grease. He is wrong, He's but at wrong. one point before rewatching this for the first time since I was a kid, I was like, you know, I remember it more fondly too. Now I've rewatched it, I can say with full confidence, it absolutely is not as good as Grease on either a musical or performance level. But I will say this, Michelle Pfeiffer is a much better actress, no shit, than Olivia Newton-John even then. And this is a better performance in terms of acting than yes. Olivia Newton-John gives. But if you compare the singing from the sequences... No, 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 no. Olivia Newton-John wins that hand step. Sure. And <laughs> may I say something about this movie? Yeah. I Because I've seen this before, but I, w- I was very young. And uh, I, w- you know, lamented the fact that I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, there's another one of these. And uh, and I didn't like about uh, like that back then. And there was I, almost I a third one. Ugh. And uh, I have not seen this for years. Mm. And I finally watched it again on this, which is a, a beautiful case. It's a steel case. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And it's fun and uh 
and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, fun. <laughs> it's fun. And so watching this movie, I almost instantaneously hated this movie. <laughs> I hate. Now I lo- I do. Now I have a. There's a thing that people evidently think about me that I don't like musicals. I love musicals when they're good. <laughs> Guess what? There's not a lot. And uh, and <laughs> so uh, with this one, I was like. I fucking hate this so much. <laughs> and some of the mu- the the musical scenes are so piss poor. And also yeah. some oddly, of them are good. Some, some of them are, are good, good in the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's like a sex education song in here that's it's, actually really clever and funny. It's clever and funny. Uh but like there's one that's like, oh <laughs> rape. Isn't that fun? And uh yeah. there is a full scene about just that. It is crazy just singing about rape baby it's just singing about rape and like what the fuck is going on and like this is 19 i don't know when this was 1982 or 19 uh, 1972 yeah, yeah, yeah. 19, oh, yeah. wow i guess yeah and uh but i will say michelle pfeiffer is so good and she- like I would have much rather seen uh, Grease with her and oh. John Travolta. And like, then like, that would have been cool. Olivia Newton John singing the songs. You're just like, bo- dub but her like in. Michelle Pfeiffer was she's great. Fine with the singing, but she's not anywhere near as powerful as well. Good as John. Sure, sure, okay. but like I, she still held her own compared to for everyone else in the film too. I mean, this was a breakout film for her for uh, for. Uh, uh, Christopher Mcdonald, who I always remember best from being like, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. He Shooter McGavin. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> the fact that he showed up, I was like, fucking Shooter McGavin's in this? And Adrian Zamed, uh, who himself, he's playing the leader of the T-Birds at Rydell High. Uh, oh my God. Well, so uh, He and, is ridiculous and, because I've seen him in so many movies, like, he's the leader of the T-Birds? Uh, and then the of the Pink Ladies, Michelle Pfeiffer is kind of leader of the Pink Ladies, which are their traditionally they're girls but not always and she's like it looks like she used to date him but she's not having it anymore yeah she's just looking for a dude who's so cool and rides a motorcycle and is badass and there's this kid in the school this english kid played by maxwell caulfield who's like startlingly good looking but everyone makes fun of him and like what <laughs> like he's I know british on my school when a hot british guy came in that dude was getting laid left right and center because he was too nerdy story. chris he was he too nerdy. nerdy he wanted to do well in school yeah that wouldn't have mattered really uh anyway so uh he's got the hots for for uh Michelle Pfeiffer, who is like, no, 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 I don't like motorcycle guys. So he decides, I'm going to go learn how to make and ride a motorcycle. And then I'm going to present myself like Ghost Rider and be like a badass with a dark mask that no one knows who I am and be like a superhero in the town. He's, oh, like, he's, like, he's oh, like the shadow or the, the spirit. She's got the vapors looking at, oh, I'm the, she's the, the lowest, lent, lowest lane to his Superman, right? Oh, yeah. You know. She she is the thwomping uh, when he uh, starts riding up to her. But of course, you know, the, uh, of course, the T-Birds don't like him. Like, who is this guy stepping in our territory? But there's, like, bad bikers, too. They're not, like, realistic bad bikers. You know? They, uh, okay. The, the sitting sons of anarchy here, all right? Well, this like, the way is, that they look, though. Yeah, I was like, that dude is 50. <laughs> that guy is 50, and he is trying to harass. These are still high school students. What, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Like, movies like Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like they're not just, like, serial killers or murderers. They're child murderers. That's the thing. That's what we should talk about that. And then when you watch this, like, what are these 50-year-old bikers yeah. doing to these children? I know. Right? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we gotta, like, we gotta show off to these kids. Like, 
Two children. Wait, was I? I missed the episode in Sons of Anarchy when they had to like kick out the you know kick out the T birds from high school (laughs) after gym. Like, what the fuck is going on? It's but that that's the thing with the Grease movies is that everyone's at least 158, and uh, you would relate. And uh, and I'm going to high school now. But like that is, I think one of the cheeky things about the Grease movies that everyone's like, everyone knows they're like everyone's like forty. Like no one was thinking that uh, what's her face uh, from Grease, the the oh god, not uh, what's the the lead, uh, not uh, the blonde, but the the brunette. So the one, uh, the, the the one they based a character on on Happy Days that never took off. I'm forgetting what her name. Uh, is. Fuck. Uh, Oh God! Everyone's like screaming it out loud as Stockard Channing. Stockard Channing. Yeah, it's like she is forty-eight in that movie. <laughs> no, and she's. Not. I know she's not. But uh, but like she, everyone is obviously older than the high school student, and the same thing still happens here, and it works, and it's fun, and it's stupid, and I hated the movie. There's there's some interesting stuff about this, not the least of which, like I said, that song. There's a song called "Pale Rider" that Pfeiffer sings. It's actually a pretty good and catchy song. Yeah, most of the songs are wonky and don't work. There's a Sort of like a thing where they give the the male character like the the, the British guy like one song because he clearly can't sing at all. So he kind he of has sings. one song and this and him singing is like and so yeah <laughs> you're like just dub him please dub him with someone who can actually sing for I, God's sake. I had never seen that in a musical where there's like how about we put him like really far away the only character you really who was a big character in the first one that you get a lot of here is frenchie played by dd khan she comes back here a lot in an, she's and, barely in this no, she's in it she gets the most dialogue of any of the reoccurring characters from the first one There's, and she's oh, kind of the like principal she's and the, like, the like dopey advi- she's kind of like an advisor to the pink ladies sort of is like which oh. is so depressing is like yeah the principal so did you get here. held back sid caesar is the coach is back yeah. the secretary is back uh, eddie deason the guy who's only ever played nerds in movies because look at the guy Jeez, that's all he, he's the world's most famous nerd for a long time. Oh, it's yeah. back in the movie. Uh, but there's like people like Tab Hunter has an appearance in here who's like sort of a cinema legend at the time, but his like he's best known probably now for being in John Waters' movie Polyester. Mm. Um, but Connie Stevens has a role in here. There's a lot of familiar faces, but the one that got me, the youngest of the the pink ladies, I'm like, wait a minute. I know her from somewhere. So at the time, she was known as Pamela Seagal. We know her as Pamela Adlon, where she pl- oh yeah voices Bobby Hill on King of the Hill, uh, and then she was on uh, uh, Louis C.K. show. Yeah, and now she has like her own show, which is kind of a spinoff of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I've not seen, but it keeps winning awards and shit. So, yeah, yeah. You know, here it's good. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was like, well, who is that? Yeah. She she is great. Like, I almost wish there was a movie just between her because she befriends the English dude, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why isn't there a movie just between those two? Because they are way more fascinating than everyone else Agreed. in this film. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to a, another 4K released by Arrow. I'm so glad they got into 4K because they do such a good job. They do. And when it's something I really, really want a 4K copy of, I'm like, thank God Arrow's putting out. And it's not just by the studio, which like Grease 2 would probably just be a bare bones, nothing released. There's right. no extras at all on there. The no. only reason you get it is if you want a fancy looking steel book and you want the digital code, which I did in fact keep the digital code. <laughs> uh, but this is a one of the Quentin Tarantino movies. A lot of people forget Quentin Tarantino, Tar- Quentin Tarantino was involved in. And I believe it's the only one that he didn't direct that he actually is proud of. Uh, oh, he's not proud of Natural Born Killers? Oh, no. He hates Natural Born Killers. Ooh. Yeah, he was very vocal about that. But this is with Tony Scott, who Tarantino was kind of a fanboy for. He loved Tony Scott. And on the bonus features for this, for True Romance, he 
talks a lot about that. Like, in fact, even the original ending was incredibly dark. And I've heard about that. And Tony Scott's one who talked him out of it. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, we'll film both, both ways and you can pick which one you think is better. And he's like, Scott was right. The, it doesn't work with the dark ending. Huh? Yeah. And he talks a lot in the commentary here about just his admiration for Scott as a director. Uh, this was, you know what? Next to Heather's the biggest Christian Slater film. Uh, a uh, little movie even, called Cuffs. Nobody cares about Cuffs. Uh, and then it was definitely one of Patricia Arquette's biggest films. And it's got such an amazing cast. I mean, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, and Christopher Walken. And by the way, Samuel Jackson for a hot second. Straight up, one of my favorite Dennis Hopper speeches in any movie ever. <laughs> I it's mean, it's so really, really Quentin Tarantino racist. You'll know what I mean when you see it. Yeah. Uh, like, so I'm not insulting it per se. It makes sense for the characters and the situation, but it is a really, really fucking outrageous, like mesmerizing scene. And it's him talking to a gangster played by Christopher Walken, who's being very Christopher Walken in the best possible way. In the scene. It's, it's fun to see Christopher Walken as a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, and I, and again, another thing I have to admit, I've never seen this movie until now. Oh, I'm so happy you got a chance to see it then. Yeah. Did you I, like it? I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's really good, right? It's really good. It totally holds up. It definitely, you can tell, you can tell both, oh, this has to have been written by Quentin Tarantino. I mean, it is, it is. This just was like, not directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You can like, tell both those things. You can tell those two things immediately. And like, it's like, wow, this is, this is what it felt like. This is his first screenplay. Mm. Was like, it? I didn't know. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. But like, okay. it felt like it because it been. he is like basically writing about himself if he was in this situation. Well, yeah. He's like a, the Christian Slater character here. Uh, Clarence Worley is just kind of a, a cool dork who's like yeah. working at a video store. He's obsessed with like genre. Kung Wait, was it a video store horror. or a record store? It was no, a record it? store. I thought it was a video store. It was a record store. Was it a record? I could have sworn it was a video store. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, so when we meet him, he's literally watching a kung fu film marathon. Uh, and he ends up like, uh, what's her name? Patricia Arquette shows up, you know, dressed kind of hookery in the theater and spills her popcorn all over him. She's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And immediately they bond and go out for dinner and like they're just like hitting it off. and, And then, yeah, for pie. And then they fuck and they're immediately like, uh, I'm, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. But here's the thing. Actually, your boss hired me to get you laid. I'm a hooker, but this was my first day. Uh, so you're like my first John. And um, yeah. And it's like, uh, well, that won't do because I'm an Elvis type man. And in fact, Val Kilmer plays a, in a murky, but you never really see him. He's right. Out of focus. When he was in the credits, I was like, where the fuck is Val yeah. Kilmer? And then I was like, oh, he's Elvis. He plays Elvis who's sort of, who's basically like his conscience. He's like the guy he talks to, Christian Slater talks to. Yeah. Plays Elvis is there giving him advice. I mean, it's all in his head. So you don't think he's crazy, but it's like kind of him having an internal conversation. Yeah, yeah. And his internal voice is Elvis. <laughs> uh, but he goes, oh, well, I got to go kill your pimp then, I guess, if he won't let you go. And pimp is played hysterically by all scarred up Gary Oldman. Oh my uh, God. Who wears dreads and thinks he's a black guy. And it's a hysterical performance and a very, in a very bloody scene. He's not in it for very long, but he is. It's super memorable. That's the thing with like, with the Quentin Tarantino scenes. Like what I love about his screenwriting and how much he enjoys his characters so much. Everyone is very distinct. Everyone has their own voice. Mm. And if there is going to be a scene of tension or action, 
he is going to build that tension up as much as possible. Yeah. And like, this is going to be a scene that you remember. Yeah, like that scene when, uh, Clarence goes in and talks to, uh, what's the character's name? Uh, to Gary Oldman's character. Yeah. Name? It's like, uh, uh, Drexel. 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 Uh, it is akin to, uh, the, the basement scene in, uh, in, uh, Inglorious Bastards. It's just mm. like, Shit, like this yeah. is getting kind of intense. It's like, and like, cause I, what I love about how he writes his characters is that like everyone is for the most part smart. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like on they're the level. A version of, of smart. A version of smart. Like they, they, in what they do, they're smart, even if they're dumb about everything else. But, right. But like, and what they, what he does so well still is that they, they all think they're right in yeah. what they're talking about and they don't veer off. And like, it's great. I don't think they're Sir Dr. Right. Sir Dr. Right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so like, he's just there to get her shit after an action scene. He grabs what he thinks is her suitcase. Oops. It's not. It's filled with cocaine. And they're like, Oh, uh, I don't know what to do with this, but I know we could, we could manage to sell it. We could retire on this. So like, well, I, he's like, well, I got one friend who's out in California. Uh, played by Michael Rappaport, who's definitely not the smart character you were talking about. That's very true. He's a very dumb person. And he has a roommate who, very brief scenes, is one of the very first Brad Pitt appearances who plays this total lunkhead stoner who's yeah. fucking hysterical and a little bit of screen time he gets. But anyway, uh, he's like, hey, I know that you work for this guy who's obviously supposed to be Oliver Stone. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was, there was anger there, I'm just saying. And... Why don't you, you know, you, you, this guy who's your friend, I mean, he's Bronson Pinchot, you could, uh, you could, uh, sell this coke to your boss, right? He's a big Hollywood player. Well, let's just say everything does not go straight to, uh, expectations and except for as an audience, cause you know, you're watching a Quentin Tarantino film and yada, yada. You have to watch the film to figure, see it for yourself. Right. But, uh, yeah, this is, it's got so much good stuff going on in here. James Gandolfini has an amazing sequence. That is uh, great. One of the gangsters who sort of has a one-on-one with uh, Patricia Arquette. That's incredibly intense. Yeah. Uh, Chris Penn is in this and Tom Tom Sizemore is two cops. Yeah. Kevin Corgan is in this. It's like, I mean, you recognize almost everyone in this movie. It's such a classic. I mean, yes, there's a lot of Tarantino racism again, stuff where you're like that, but it's, it feels like, man, I, I really, it's in an odd way. I almost wish that he would remake this himself as his like last movie, mm-hmm. just to show like what he would have done directing. Cause I appreciate Tony Scott, but I do think that Quentin Tarantino is a much better director and visually I, as well. I tend to, I would agree with you half and half. Cause I don't think, I don't, I think Tarantino is in many ways a better writer than he is a director. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. but I don't know. Anyway, but so, also, and I think the music is shit in this movie. Oh, really? Oh, it's I very, hate. it's very of its time. Well, sure. that and just like the the like like the xylophone stuff yeah, is yeah. like this. That's n- very Tony Scott. It, it's yeah. I hated it so much. <laughs> it's the one thing is like, I, it, like it goes from like a, a ten out of ten to like an eight or maybe seven. I'm just like, I fucking hate It's so stupid. It's, (laughs) it takes me out of it every fucking time. Fair enough. Well, this comes with two versions, the director's cut at two hours and the theatrical cut hour 58. So not that I watch the directors. There are four different commentary tracks on here. One by Tony Scott, one by Quentin Tarantino, one by Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, and one by a brand new one with a huge fan of this film, Tim Lucas. 
I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, good for you, yeah. Ted Lucas. Uh, there's select commentary on scenes as well from Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Brad Pitt, Michael Rappaport, Bronson Pinchot, and Saul Rubinek, who plays the Oliver Stone type guy. Oh, uh, yes. There's uh, brand new interviews uh, with the costume designer, Susan Becker, with the co-editor, Michael Tronick. Uh, interview with the composers, Mark Mancina and John Van Tongeren. Uh, there is a overview of Tony Scott's life and work with interviews with his biographer called Hunger for Mayhem. There's a piece with Dan Storm, a super fan called Cadillac Man, who ended up get buying the purple Cadillac in the film mm. and started a whole film festival specifically to celebrate this film. That's how much he loves this movie. Wow. There's 30 minutes of deleted and extended scenes. There's the original alternate ending that we discussed earlier right. here. They show they show that, which has commentary you can watch either by Tony Scott or Quentin Tarantino on it. Uh, um, I didn't watch that part. I needed to see that. There's a whole electronic press kit with like just all the original extra features of that came with the original DVD release of this. Image galleries, trailers, and TV spots. This is a really nice collection for this movie. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but we have to move on to our final film, which is The Batman. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Man, there's a lot of mixed feelings about this film out there. and I, Why? Because it deserves a lot of mixed feelings. Okay. It's not I did the review great. with you when we saw The Batman, yeah, and, and I genuinely loved yeah, it. Yeah, don't you remember me being the guy going, yeah, it's okay. And you were well, wrong, and I, we accepted I've that. I've seen it again now, and it's a little less than okay oh my god yeah. i've seen it like three or four times now yeah and i'm still like yes i'm just not crazy about this i just <sighs> i find it it's i mean you you can hear what i had to say in the review but anything i was saying negative in that original highly suspect review we did for this imagine that now that i've seen it the second time a little more and in, intense that i feel that way really yeah i liked it considerably even less the second time wow like, yeah this is just there's a lot that doesn't work here for me. It really doesn't. Now, I mean, I don't think it's terrible. Sure. Unlike some, like my buddy Jeff from uh, Rage Select, man, he hates this fucking Really? Film. Like with a, like, like his face turned red talking about it. He was so angry. Wow. Yeah, was really it because hates. of just like the portrayal of Batman? No, no. Or? He is not a cannon queen at all. Okay. Uh, like he just thought it was a bad, bad movie. Really? Yeah. And what? What? Yeah. I'd love to talk to him just about that. Ripping off a lot of other stuff and not doing it well. Just remind that that was my big problem. It's like it's ripping off a lot of great films, not retributing, if you want to say it nicely. Sure. But all it made me do is think about how much better those films are than this is. I I still think that it is a, a great portrayal of the Batman. I, I don't and- I don't think the acting is bad in any point of this. No. Um, although I think they do some really, make some really silly decisions with the way the characters are written and the way they behave, especially Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne. Really? Yeah. I mean, the, there's just a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, this is like the hot topic made a movie. <laughs> you old man. No, I, I don't think that at all. I think it was like a really interesting take to see that you are portraying someone who is getting over his parents' death when he was eight and then finally doing something about it and doing something so extreme and drastic mm-hmm. and, uh, and putting as realistic as, you know, Christopher Nolan tried to do in this like very ultra dark world where it's not like super campy or anything. And I, I still, I really still loved it. Okay. I, I was captivated still by every scene i really did like this movie i liked it more the second and third time i watched it and this is like the fourth time i watched it now okay yeah yeah i'm glad i hate it when people have to watch movies that they don't they end up hating 
Unless oh. I hate that well, person. Well, why do I do this show? I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I said it depends on the purpose, person, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're fun to watch suffer. Oh, yes. I don't know. I mean, it just... Yeah. And I love... It doesn't I, really work I, I liked I mean, so much more with... Uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz. I thought she was great as Catwoman. I I love. I really do love Paul Dano as the Riddler. I thought I he was a really inspired choice. Yeah. And uh, did not work. And also, me. I'm sorry, Colin Farrell as a Penguin, just beautiful. I mean, he would be the best thing about this movie for me if I felt like his character even belonged in this movie. He's like Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. You're like, why are you even here? <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Sorry. Boo. <laughs> I'm like, this. you really don't need to be in this movie. Anyway, uh, well, you can listen to much. I mean, we've already done a long show, so I'm not going to go into length on the Batman because you can hear both of us discuss it on our Batman review. You can. You should. I will say this 4K transfer looks terrific. It, it does. Definitely. If you have 4K player, this is a, a nice little showpiece of a movie for your 4K player. It looks and sounds terrific. Top-notch uh, work was put into all of that. It's got a great score. No question about it. It too. does. And this is a three-disc release, which has one 4K, one Blu-ray, and one blue totally separate Blu-ray bonus feature disc uh, with a hinged keep case uh, uh, with a poster-themed cover artwork, matching yep. slip cover, and, of course, the digital uh, redemption code. There's a bunch of extra features on here, as you might expect. There's an interview with the fight choreographer, uh, Matt Reeves, the director, and Robert Pattinson, who played Batman, talking about how they did the training and the fighting. Uh, Batman Genesis, Matt Reeves and, Matt Reeves and Robert Pat- Patterson talk about their insight about uh, the casting. Vengeance Meets Justice takes a look at Paul Dano, Reeves, and Patterson uh, drawing parallels between Batman and Riddler as two sides of the same coin. Obviously, uh, to some extent, all Batman's most famous villains are that's always kind of the oh they're like part they're, they're interesting because they're as part partially like Batman. Yeah, and what I, I do I do like about how the the end uh, or at least the the scene in the the jail cell when they're talking, I was like we almost had him. Like that whole reveal is like oh wow yeah. that that was cool that they did it that way. But uh, that Riddler thought he was doing this with him. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was a really cool choice, and I, I liked that. Uh, it's like no, in the end. Riddler is crazy. No, I agree with you. I did like that moment there. I yeah. really because that is a surprise that you're like, oh, like th- that was the fir- the first time in the whole movie though for me that I'm like, oh yeah, you genuinely feel his insanity there, like in a modern day real sort of way. You yeah, know? you're like a toxic uh, incel. <laughs> yeah, and I I thought it was really well done. Uh, there's becoming Catwoman, which obviously is. Talks with Zoe Kravitz, uh, the Batmobile with a special effects supervisor, which we got to see in person at South we by Southwest. We did get to see that. Yeah, if you look at our Instagram for one of us, you can see me and Wright going, "Ooh, Batmobile!" It was cool. Yeah. I mean, I, it must have been really cramped because it was. It looked really cramped in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anatomy of the Car Chase is a big car chase here, which I think is overrated, but whatever. Um, I think it's okay. Anatomy of the Wingsuit Jump, uh, which. You know, you see the movie, there's a wingsuit jump, and it talks about how they did that. Vengeance in the Making, which is the longest feature on here. It's almost an hour, uh, which has pretty much everybody involved in here on a bigger making of. Uh, Unpacking the Icons, which look at the tone, the costume design, uh, a transformation, the Penguin, obviously with Colin Farrell and how they did the physical makeup, which is great makeup. I would, if you had told me, not told me that was Colin Farrell playing it. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that was Colin Farrell playing nope. it. No. Uh, and then there's a deleted scenes, uh, one of which is just an extended version of when Selena goes into the 44 Below Club, the more the secret secret club that the Penguin owns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a slightly extended version of that. And the other one is the one that famously 
before this even came out, they put out on YouTube, which is uh, the Joker Arkham, which is an extended sequence with the Joker, uh, which we saw just a tease of. At the His teaser at the Hannibal the Lecter, you could say. Yeah, there's a Hannibal Lecter scene with Batman talking to the Joker and basically trying to get information about the Riddler going like, well, come on, you're crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I saw that on YouTube when they released it. And I, hmm? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I I see why they cut it out of the film. I do. Oh, I definitely see why they cut it out of the film. Yeah. But I don't know about what's his face as the Joker. And I, I, I want to believe that it's going to be really good. Because uh, like I'm yeah. assuming they do. I like that actor. It's just weird casting. It's just weird casting. But so was uh, what's his face? Um, Heath Ledger. Yeah, everyone was like Heath Ledger. Are you well, they did the Batman. Everyone. everyone. They do about the Batman. Did, like, the best Joker. Batman. He did the best Joker ever. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but they did about Jack Nicholson. They did about Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. I think Robert Pattinson was a fantastic Batman still. And yeah. like, I, th- so he could prove us wrong. And maybe like, since he knew he had such like little screen time, like God only knows what he was able to do I with feel, it. I feel like it was definitely better to tease Joker than give him a whole scene. Sure. If yeah. it's not the Joker movie, don't put Joker in it. Right. You know? No, I totally agree. I mean, that was originally, originally it was going to be the plan for the, uh, that the sad passing of Heath Ledger for the next one, the Joker actually had a reasonably big supporting role in the next film. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I mean, like it was a lot of the elements were still as it was, but there was going to be a sizable sort of almost similar Hannibal Lectory type thing going mm. on where it continues and expands upon the Batman and, and uh, Joker's relationship in that sort of way. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I know someone who has a, a copy of the original script. I have to see. Oh my God. Get it from him. That'd be great to read. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was Digital Noise. What do you think? I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what our pick of the week is. Uh, Let's see. Oh, gosh. You're going to go with um, Eraser Reborn, right? Uh, I don't know. The Edge of Sanity is uh, pretty good. Uh, the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> uh, we got this uh, thing called True Romance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's True Romance. I think it's True Romance, yeah. for sure. I, I don't even think it's that thing. It's like, it's True Romance. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm glad that I finally got to watch it and see his, uh, I guess, because that was first, right? Natural Born Killers was second after that, or was it? I don't remember. But I think they were both very close to each other. Very close to each other, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm really glad to see that. And, like, I love to see, like, uh, people who I really admire, who are great screenwriters that uh, get to... (sighs) Granted, like, for him, it was very different where he got to, to... which is odd now knowing that Quentin Tarantino is who he is now and he only does things that he directs mm. uh, and to see that like someone else directing his stuff is like it's like watching uh, w- w- that movie that came out Gambit a couple of years ago with uh, oh yeah with the, the, the Coen brothers wrote but yeah. someone else directed it it's like you can tell yeah. that someone else did this yeah and but you could also tell it's a Coen brothers screenplay maybe not as strongly as you can tell this is a Tarantino that's one, very but true still but I uh, got your point but it's like, I'm glad to finally see it. And it was like, it's still like everyone, what, what I'll say about him, like, and what you said too, is like, man, he's such a strong screenwriter that yeah. like, everyone agrees. Like, I am going to act the shit out of this no matter what, because this is so well written. Yeah. If you've never seen True Romance, like, right, you really, really should see it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but that's it for the show. Thanks for joining me, Sir Doctor. And of course, anytime. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye bye.